Thanks so much for tuning in. Whether it's at 1030 or it's on demand, thank you so much for tuning in. So one thing, if you're listening at 1030, one thing we're going to be doing differently this week is we're going to be doing something called Beyond the Message, uh, which will be happening after this message. Uh, we're going to open up the chat box and we're going to be able to help answer any question you may have that goes along with this message. So we're going to be talking about the Old Testament today. So maybe you have some questions about the Old Testament. We would love to be able to answer those questions. We may even uh, throw out an opening question that's on the discussion questions too. Anyway, should be a lot of fun. I'm going to be tuning in before we open up the call for the Upstreet Kids. So looking forward to having you tune in for that. So today, uh, and again, I want to reiterate this message series is for anybody. If you've ever read the Bible, if you're interested in reading the Bible, or if you grew up reading the Bible and you still read the Bible, this message series is for you. Uh, last week, we, we talked about that understanding the story of the Bible is just as important as stories in the Bible. See, the backstory opens up the story. Uh, the way that we got our Bibles is not the way we got the Bible. Maybe for you, you ordered yours on Amazon, or you ordered yours at a bookstore, or uh, someone gave it, uh, gave you uh, your Bible. It's a lot different. So when I got this Bible, it was wrapped up in cellophane. I had to take it off, and um, gosh, it smelled really good. But that's not how we got the Bible. Uh, we talked last week that people were willing to hide and give their life up to protect the eyewitness documents that talked about the resurrected Jesus. They were willing to die. They were willing to, they would do everything they could to protect those documents. And today, man, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I have, I have a lot of Bibles at the house. I have it on my phone. I have it on my computer. And it just seems like we have it, we have so much access to the Bible, but yet we, we don't read it as often. We don't cherish it like those who are willing to bury and protect the eyewitness documents. See, the documents documenting Jesus' life were those that were cherished. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Man, these were seen as valuable, reliable, sacred, and inspired documents. Uh, notice that the, the four documents uh, were eventually viewed as Scripture. They were seen as God's very word. Uh, they were eventually placed on the same level as the Jewish scriptures. Uh, still, they didn't have a Bible um, like we have today. Instead, they had those documents of those eyewitness accounts that would share of the story that Jesus rose from the dead. The biggest transition for, for, for non-Jews ended up being that they had to come to grips with the notion that there is only one God and the, and the God was the Jewish God. That was a huge, huge transition for non-Jews. See, one God was countercultural. One God who happened to be the Jewish God was unimaginable. Theologians would call this monotheism. Mono meaning one, theism meaning deity. So you had monotheism, and then you had polytheism. Poly meaning many. And so the religions back then were polytheistic, where you believed in many gods. Uh, people back then didn't go from one religion to, the, to another religion if they got mad at it or if they didn't agree with it anymore. No, instead they would just add gods <laughs> to their religion. It's a lot different than today where you have church hoppers. You're going to one church to another church to another church to another church. It's a lot different 
than it was back then. See, the first and second centuries, Christians were seen as atheists because they didn't buy into or their faith system was not polytheistic. It was monotheistic. And so they were seen as actually atheists, that they didn't believe in gods that they could, they could see or gods they could touch or gods cr- uh, created into images or, or idols. Eventually, non-Jews understood who were being converted to Christianity, understood that one God was better than imagined. That one God was better than imagined. See, when non-Jews, Gentiles, became enamored with one particular Jew, Jesus, they became interested in the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament. The Old Testament included the law and the prophets. So you know how we talked about that the, the Jewish scriptures are our backstory. Well, to the Jews, the law and the prophets were their backstory. And these writings, and we're going to be looking at Genesis today, and that's the first book of Moses, and that was seen as really the backstory of the Jewish faith. See, to their amazement, non-Jews discovered that the Jews, whose religion was older than the religion of the Greeks and Romans, had always believed in one God, who they called Yahweh or Jehovah. And the Romans, believe it or not, they appreciated that. They actually grew to, a, to value that because they valued older religions as better religions. They seemed older as better. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, if you, if you think of the cultural context, that there, was, there, were, there, there are polytheistic religions, polytheistic faith systems. Then all of a sudden, God kicks off. He, the Holy Spirit inspires Moses to write the very first book of, of the Jewish scriptures this way. Notice. In the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, gods, but in the beginning, God. So for a non-Jew, this went against everything you ever grew up believing. I mean, even the word Genesis translated in Greek means beginning or origin. So when this is being brought to a non-Jew in a, in a Greek-speaking culture, this was a huge transition. This was a huge hurdle for them to jump over. Moses, who's writing the first five books of the Bible, uh, was, was trying to communicate something very, very countercultural. See, the initial assumption, uh, assumption was that the Jews borrowed from other ancient creation stories. And that view was quickly abandoned. It was quickly dismissed because Genesis is different than other creation stories. See, Genesis by itself is a worldview it's, it's a worldview unlike any other. It's unparalleled. And it was a worldview ahead of its time. See, Moses, he was building a case that's no longer needed because his argument ultimately seceded. Here's what we mean by that. In writing the first book of the Jewish scriptures, Genesis, Moses is not trying to explain how God created the heavens and the earth. No, he's He's simply making the case that God created the heavens and the earth, not the gods. Sometimes we can get lost in the weeds uh, of what the, the, you know, the first book of the Bible means. Actually, the, the focus is this is, of what, this is about not how God created the heavens and the earth, but that he did create the heavens and the earth. Notice this. In the beginning, God created. It wasn't created by the Egyptian god. Amon Re, it, it wasn't created by 
Babylonians Marduk. And, and get this, Marduk, he, the story says that he rode into this epic battle of the gods on his horses, slaughter and merciless. Then he went to war against a goddess named Tamahat, and by shooting an arrow through her mouth, he killed her, and then he split her in two, and he used her upper half to create the universe, and then he created the earth with her lower half. I mean, I mean, imagine growing up in Sunday school learning that. He continues, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, God didn't create that way. Instead, he created this way. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. See, God created so that there would be light, purpose, and order. It's a lot different than how Marduk created. This was done in light, in purpose, in order. And, and that brings us how God created humanity. And it's in contrast to the ancient faiths. Steam in the Enema Elish, which is the Babylonian story of creation, it, it states that the human race is created to serve the gods. And these gods happen to be very lazy. This is what it says. And this is Marduk after he conquers the goddess and he becomes the chief among the gods. This is what is said. He says, I will establish the savage. Man shall be his name. Savage man I will create. He will be changed with the service of the gods, or he will be charged with the service of the gods, that they might be at ease. Just to be clear, what I'm picking up is the fact that humanity had no rights. There was, there was nothing other than your purpose in life was to serve lazy gods. And imagine, that flies in the face of what we're going to be reading about. There's no purpose, there's no inherent worth, there's no inherent value, there's no hope, there's no light. Your purpose is to serve lazy gods. See, what begins to happen is the violence and the injustice of the gods justify the violence and the injustice of human rulers. See, these human rulers were acting like their quote-unquote fathers in the heavens. So allow me a minute or two to, to sort of unpack this. Here's what's so fascinating. For some of us, we quit reading the Bible because of all the war and violence in the Old Testament. And we're like, it just seems like there's two completely different gods. God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament. And that couldn't be further from the truth. It's the same God. Now, here's the deal. Think about the context we're in. You have these human rulers that are creating societies based on their religion, based on how Marduk, based on the Egyptian god. And, and it's all about survival of the strongest. It's all about violence. It's all about conflict. See, God, when he says, I want to send you into the promised land, he tells Moses and he eventually tells Joshua, he says, look, I'm giving you a set of I'm giving you a, a set of laws or a code to live by. And this code, these set of laws, will bring you life. It's a different way of life, and it will bring you life. God's way of life, God's code is a lot different, and it brings us life. 
That's why when Jesus, who was God in the flesh, came, he says, look, I, I'm going to promise you that you can live right now a rich and satisfying life with him as king, with him as leader. So, the reason why there's so much war is when God's people were approached, they were approached with violence, and so their response was to retaliate in war. But there's countless, there are countless stories of God extending grace. We see, we see nuggets of the gospel, we see fingerprints of the gospel all throughout the Old Testament with forgiveness and grace and mercy and compassion. And God says, look, I'm giving you a chance to turn from your ways. And we see stories of people doing that throughout the Old Testament. So back to Moses. Moses says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. See the contrast? See, Jews understood humanity to be the pinnacle of God's creation. That they were created with purpose. They were created with value. They were created with worth. They were created to hope. That was unparalleled. There was nothing like that. He continues, They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. See, God gave us purpose. From the very beginning, God gave us purpose. See, we are created to reflect God's image. We are image bearers. That means that we're caretakers of this planet that means we roll it we care for it we live in it that means we take responsibility of it and it means we enjoy it we think of it like this we are like little kings and queens under the the one true king moses continues he says so god created human beings in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them Man, only recently has civilization caught up to God's forward thinking. I mean, look, I love, I love being an American. I love being, uh, I love being in America. I love it. I, I believe that we have the greatest nation on the planet. However, we still didn't get it right. I mean, we were even founded on Christianized values, and we still didn't get it right. You know that it was not until 1920 that women were, were able to vote. To completely miss the ball there. See, Moses is introducing this radically different, unparalleled, untested worldview. It's, it's not like these polytheistic faiths or even some of these monotheistic faiths we're going to talk about. Look, see, unlike the Babylonian Marduk, that you were born a slave to serve these lazy gods and there was no afterlife. Man, unlike the Greek and Roman gods, that you were created to serve them, and you had to deal with whatever conflict they had. And in order to make it right, in order to get blessing, you had to do things for them. According to Islam, another monotheistic faith, it's different. Because Allah cannot be considered a father because he had no son. Notice that Allah does not love sinners. Allah, Allah's will is stronger than his love and mercy. And then, even to those new atheists, you're born a slave to your DNA. There's, 
there's no afterlife. There's no really no purpose. All there is is just this, and there's darkness. No matter how good of a person you are, there's just darkness after this. And it all goes back to the first four words of Genesis, where Moses writes, in the beginning, God. It should remind us that God saves, he delivers, he redeems, he never gives up on us. Like God gave us freedom to choose, and then he honors those choices. Then he does the most ungodly thing imaginable. He acted to reverse the consequences of humanity's decision to choose them over him. And he did that for you, and he did that for me. And for some of you in here is listening, and you're, you're sort of kind of figuring this whole thing out. Maybe you're still investigating what it means to follow Jesus. Now I want you to know that God put things in reverse to pursue you. Unlike any other God in any other religion, any other faith system, Yahweh, Jehovah, completely different. You see, you have this unique opportunity to, to see it for what it is, that God loved you and he pursued you, and he sent his one and only son to take your place. See, the consequences of our sin leads to hell. And look, can I tell you, the scariest thing about hell is that it's a life separated from God. And really, quite honestly, it's we get what we want. You have a unique opportunity to, to recognize that, man, Jesus took your place so that you could have freedom, so that you could have life. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus and you've walked away, or maybe you just feel burnt out in your faith. Man, it was not meant to be that way. My hope for you, my prayer for you, is that you would, you would love, you would love God's word. It would, it would enrich you. It would give you that rich and satisfying life. Look, I, I'm telling you, when, when I read this, I try to read this every day. Some days, I just forget about it, but most days, I read the Bible. And I'm so glad I do because it's so satisfying. I feel like I get more satisfaction with reading the Bible than I do watching anything on Netflix. So quite honestly, it's like the Bible is better than Netflix. It is better than Netflix. See, I leave so satisfied after reading this, and that's my hope for you, that you would make a commitment that as often as you can, you would read this. Maybe that's every day. Maybe that's multiple times a day. But that you would get this in your mind. See, this monotheistic worldview gave people answers that they were looking for. They were looking for purpose. They were looking for value. They were looking for hope. And this worldview that Moses set, sets out to write about answers life's questions like, why is there something rather than nothing? Why are you here and why does it matter? See, you know, you and I were created on purpose and with a purpose. We're not the result of some cosmic conflict between gods. We're not created by the universe. No, God wanted image bearers who could know him and have a relationship with him. See, 
when the time was right, he joined us. He joined us. And the Jews had it right all along. This was the only, like the only thing that fueled the non-Jews' interest was they were, they, were, they were blown away by one particular Jew and they fell in love with the Jewish scriptures because the Jewish scriptures have Jesus all throughout them. And it began, as they began to move quickly through this, and they were beginning to assemble all these eyewitness documents and Paul's writings and put them all together. They put them together with the Jewish scriptures. And the stage was set for us to get our first Bible. And that's where we're going to pick it up here next Sunday. But before we go, I, again, I invite you to jump into the chat box. We're going to talk for a few moments, answer any questions you may have before we jump into our transit calls and our Elm Street calls. But let us, play, let, it, let, us, let us play together. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you, uh, you preserve your word, that we could read it, that we could, we could love it, we could learn from it. Father, that we could see and learn that Jesus rose from the dead and that changed everything. And the reason why we even have this is because of Jesus' death and resurrection. The event that changed history. And the, has the power to change our history, our story. So Father, thank you for the power of the cross and the resurrection. Thank you for the people who are willing to, to sacrifice their lives so that we could have these eyewitness documents tied into the Jewish scriptures. Thank you so, so much. In Jesus' name, amen.